Let's get together, talk about the movies that we saw this week. We'll have discussions, talk film news, we'll laugh a lot and act like geeks. Sometimes we'll have a guest or two, sometimes it's just the two of us. Let's crack some jokes and tell some folks to come along and hang with us! Mike and Mike go to the movies. Mike and Mike go to the movies. Yeah! You have chosen wisely. What's your favorite scary podcast? It doesn't Mike help Michael? if you laugh, Mike. <laughs> You're right. I would be a terrible ghost face. It's, you it's would. Uh, is it Mike and Mike go to the movies? Because if so, you're in the right place. Uh, my name is Mike Smith. And joining me, as always, is a man who asks that uh, when I bring him out, can I introduce him as Ekim Oskiar Kid? That's, a, that's Mike's Crescio backwards, which is something they do in Enola Holmes, which I'll be talking about later today. Oh. It was a oh. long walk to get there. There weren't many good references for me to use. <laughs> I was like, I don't think you're talking about Twin Peaks today, but okay. Uh, yeah, Mike Crescio, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. A little, a little sleepy boy. It was my first day at a job that I had to go outside my house for. So that's sad. <laughs> well, first day this year uh, since March. Uh, since. Yeah. Quarantine has happened. Um, so that's exciting, but scary. But but, uh, you know, it should be pretty good. I had a good first day. So, you know, it can, it can only go up from here, I hope. <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed. I hope it yeah. does work out for you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you know, especially I mean, you're somebody who you, know, you can probably count on two hands the amount of times you've been out of the house uh, <laughs> right. since since March, really, like just because of COVID and everything. And now you're going to have to be out like frequently throughout the week. Every day. Every day, Monday through Friday. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, sad times. I can no longer wake up uh, 15 minutes before I have to be down in the basement. I have to get up and get dressed in business casual clothing and shave my beard. My beard's gone. That's fucked up. So that's a sad development in the in the Mike Crescio life. You know, (laughs) you can no longer be uh, hanging around the house and pretending to work while playing Destiny 2. That's not what you can do anymore. (laughs) That's fucked up. Corporate America is bad. Uh, Yeah. As for me. Same as usual, you know, same, <laughs> same stuff as always. I mean, obviously, some big stuff happened this week. Yes, you know? yes. There were some major historical developments in the world, which was great. Very pleased with just the way things happened this weekend. Yeah. Uh, so there was that. I got the, I got the news that Biden had been elected on Saturday morning. And the reason I got the news was because I woke up to horns honking outside my window uh, <laughs> and people cheering and screaming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I I saw a tweet that was basically like um, the new goal is to do not li- don't live your life in a way that people uh, cheer and dance all over the world when you lose your job. So uh, <laughs> that's a pretty easy goal to meet, I think. So, yeah, it's uh, a low know. bar. Yeah, it, it, it was very, very nice. <laughs> I had a week off and it wasn't uh, in between jobs and it wasn't super relaxing because the election took until Saturday. But um, it was a nice weekend. Yeah, I mean, the way mine worked out, because I actually took off on Thursday and Friday and like I was such a dumbass because I should have taken off on Wednesday also because the election was Tuesday and I already knew like I'm going to be up super late watching the returns to the election. I'm going to be like, you know, having CNN, MSNBC, like flipping back and forth and seeing who's projecting what and whatever and scrolling through Twitter. And like I wasn't going to be going to bed anytime soon and I should have taken off Wednesday. Uh, and I didn't <laughs> like an idiot. You fool. You fool. Uh, but then like at a certain point on Tuesday night, I realized that the election was not going to get called by Wednesday morning, which was a situation I think a lot of people had prepared for. But it was right. something that everybody forgot on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
because like, we we're all just so on the edge of our seats and it was like, can this can they can this sustain for the next couple of days? Ugh. Turns out it can. Turns out it could. Uh, out, yeah. Yeah. Four, uh, four seasons total landscaping, you know? <laughs> it's really I hope that doesn't get forgotten about in history because that is the crowning moment of the Trump oh administration. <laughs> that is that is such a like season six of Veep type thing right. to do, you know? Like that's like you can hear Selena Meyer yelling at Jonah in the background of Rudy Giuliani's press conference. Right? Yeah. yeah, we really need an interview. We need to find out who's the true American hero that answered the phone at Four Seasons Total Landscaping and was like, yeah, yeah, we can schedule this. Yeah. Are, are you a Four Seasons? We're a Four Seasons. <laughs> Good enough. Let's go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that all this insanity over the last week uh, has been stressful, but also entertaining in equal measure. There's been right. stuff to, to laugh about, especially once the results came in and we can kind of finally breathe. Yeah, <laughs> that was nice to see. Uh, and it was just great to see people so excited about it. And so in unison and, it, you know, all these people like I feel like the collective response to selecting Joe Biden was all right. Like, yeah. All right, whatever, just to get Trump out of the White House. And so yeah. really, that's what everybody was celebrating. And it was nice to see everybody just in unison, happy about something for once. Yeah, we'll be fine. You know, maybe, maybe, hopefully, I don't know. Hopefully. I mean, this is the first, like, hopeful, this is the most hopeful I've been in four years. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Which is nice. And I mean, there's still so much work to be done. I mean, there's still the Georgia Senate runoffs and like, you'll see if how that works out and everything. Mm-hmm. And like, this could just be like four years of nothing really happening, which is better than four years of like what we just had. So there's so yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, but if it's like four years of nothing and then it just goes back to that, that's bad. So yeah, hopefully a lot of work can be done in the very near future, uh, especially with COVID too. I spe- like, I think my mm-hmm. favorite thing about this was like literally as soon as Joe Biden was like projected to win, he's like, all right, put my task force together, get yeah. all these doctors involved. <laughs> like, uh-huh. Oh my God. Uh, and then like Pfizer announced that they might have like a vaccine ready to go by like, starting to get pushed out to people by the end of November and like it's fucking wild, man. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's very, very exciting times to be alive right now. Um, yeah. So hopefully we can maintain that. Like you said, there's still a lot to do. Uh, I think, I think let's take, let's take some time and, and revel in this victory. Uh, but, but uh, you know, we can't have status quo for four more years. We need, no. we need some progress. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully that's going to be the case. We're going to see what's happening. Over the next few months, especially since Trump refuses to concede the election, which obviously that doesn't matter. Um, but yeah. like, but like he's going to be suing everybody and everybody's going to be shutting down his lawsuits. And it's going to be a, a wild couple of months slash years as everything goes on. I yep. mean, but it's just not like these past week, like 48, 72 hours have been pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it felt nice. <laughs> it's the, it, like 2020 is finally ending on a decent note. The election went the way we were hoping it would. Johnny Depp's out of the Fantastic Beast movie. <laughs> Two things of equal import. You're 100 percent correct. <laughs> you know, it's just it's all working out. So there's that. Uh, so hopefully things will be good from this point forward or at least better than they were. <laughs> right. Just not uh, actively being made worse by somebody. Yeah. I, I look forward to the day where I don't have to think about the word president like ever. Like, right. like, like where I think I go 24 hours without thinking about what happened nationally would be kind of nice. Um, but anyway, we're still going to watch movies in the Biden administration. That's not going to stop. Nope. You may uh, even get to go to movies. I know Biden's that was actually, presidency. and I feel sort of bad about that, but that was one of, one of my first thoughts is like, oh man, there's going to be a real COVID response and maybe 
movie theaters can come back at some point. <laughs> like it might be safe to go back to movies soon. Wouldn't that be great? You know, the, those release dates that studios pushed in 2021, they could hold. They could like, actually <laughs> release Black Widow in May. Who's who's to say? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, who's to say what's going to happen? But it's very exciting. We're, we're pretty happy about it, uh, at least for now. And so in, in any case. There are movies to be watched. There are yes. movies to be discussed. And so that's what we're doing here on this podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking about some of the stuff we've been watching just kind of here and there over the past couple of weeks. Uh, and Mike, it sounds like, you know, you were kind of stressed out this week. You really didn't get the chance to watch all that much because you were really focused on the election stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. So my last uh, day was it was October 30th and, you know, Halloween weekend. I was like, yes, I watched a couple movies. And I was like, I got a whole week off. I'm going to get, you know, that's what am I going to do with all my free time? And it turns out it was a uh, doom scroll on Twitter. Uh, keep refreshing Google election results page while hanging out in a voice chat with my friends being like, I what's happening? What are we doing? You're right. <laughs> uh, so I watched like five, four movies, four things um, over the course of the week, which, you know, is, is a rookie numbers. I got to pump those up. But <laughs> I was very scared. I was scared for that whole week. Yeah, I get it. Uh, and like I said, like I had those days off Thursday and Friday uh, and after basically spending Tuesday and Wednesday, just like obsessing, like I spent all day Thursday just watching movies and playing video games uh, yeah. and recommended. It's very relaxing. Nice. <laughs> uh, I finally beat Horizon, uh, by the way. Horizon uh, Forbidden Dawn. Zero Dawn. Zero Dawn. Z- Forbidden West is the next one. Yeah. Right. That's the sequel that's coming out. Uh, but I finally beat Horizon Zero Dawn. Pretty good. It's fun. Nice. Uh, yeah. It's you know, I, once you start just like speeding through the story and just like going through all like the quick checkpoints and like just kind of going from campfire to campfire, it's a lot more fun than just like like it's every mission is designed where you have to go across the entire map every in order time. to get to it. Yeah. Uh, and it's very frustrating. So kind of just zooming through it is a little bit better. And I started a uh, Final Fantasy seven remake, which is pretty cool. Uh, yeah. I've been really enjoying that. And uh, Super Mario Odyssey, which is a delight. By the way. Uh, <laughs> no so, one knew you're so happy. Yeah, I literally I, I tweeted about this, but like I think I was watching election coverage on Thursday night. Like I had watched a movie and then I switched back to CNN for a little bit, maybe like a half hour or something. And then I was like, all right, got to take a break. Super Mario Odyssey. I'm going to finally start that up. Within 20 minutes, I was in control of a T-Rex. <laughs> and I was like, this is the happiest I've ever been. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so, yeah. So we're going to talk about movies and all that stuff today for our discussions. All the theme songs you're going to hear this episode uh, were created by Kyle Cullen, who you can reach for your own podcast themes at Kyle's podcast themes at gmail.com. Our logo was designed by Jacob Honeycutt or at Jacob Honey on Twitter. And if you ever want to contact us, respond to something we did on the show, uh, you can email us over at MikeMikeGoToTheMovies at gmail.com. And now, let's get into our discussions. Watch this. These are my discussions. Just when I thought I said all I could say, my buddy and I talk about movies we see. These are my discussions. There is so much to see, you and me. So we're going to talk about movies for our discussions. All right, it's time for our discussions here on Mike and Mike Go to the Movies for our off mic quarantine watch number 18, I want to say. Something like that. Been a lot. It's been a lot. (laughs) There have been quite a few more than we expected there to be uh, uh, when we started doing these. I definitely lost count in the my file uh, numbering naming convention. Like I was doing Quarantine Watch 1, Quarantine Watch 2. Yeah. Uh, and I lost count somehow and I just have given up. It's just Quarantine Watch now. <laughs> I mean, I've been I've been keeping track. Let me see. What, let me find the official number here. 
this would be quarantine watch number 18. Uh, And that's not including Mike's make Mike watch or let's rank or things like that or whatever. A couple of movie reviews that we've done over the summer. Uh, So that's just strictly the bonus discussions episodes that we've been doing. Uh, We also passed 50 episodes of this show like five episodes ago. Uh, (laughs) Uh, This is episode number 56 in case anybody is. is, is, I think it's Barton Fink and Trespass was our 50th. I mean, there's no more exemplary episode to be number 50 than the double feature of Barton Fink and Trespass. (laughs) The greatest double feature of all time. Uh, So today we're just talking about some of the stuff we've been watching over the past few weeks. Mike, what do you have to discuss with us today? Uh, First one I want to discuss was a Halloween day uh, watch for me. And that was a little shop of horrors from 1980, whatever the Zemeckis, right? Zemeckis? Uh, no, no? Abso- not, absolutely not. Robert Zemeckis. Uh, what am I thinking is, of then? Uh, Frank Oz is the Frank Oz of, is the uh, one. Shop of, horrors. of course. Why do I think Zemeckis? Oh, that's weird. Uh, I'm, Zemeckis would have been making Roger Rabbit like two years later. Is that what you're thinking? <laughs> maybe. Maybe like I was that, thinking of like the the fake movie in uh, I'm thinking of ending things and how it was just smash cuts to directed by Robert Zemeckis. Um, maybe, but that's completely unrelated to Little Shop. I don't know. It's not even remotely similar. It's on my brain, you know? Uh, But anyway, Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, it was going to be playing at it or it did play at the uh, Queen's Drive-In on Halloween night. Double featured with uh, Beetlejuice. And uh, I was like, well, I'm going to at least watch one of these, Um, you know, and and Little Shop of Horrors. Great, great movie. I had seen it, I think, once before. uh, And I had mentioned, I think we talked about it recently. Somehow I had seen like a high school musical version of it and stuff. So I was like kind of vaguely familiar with the movie. Uh, and goddamn, dude, this movie is incredible. I love this. I love this. I love everything about it. I forgot that it's like kind of just nonstop music the whole time. Like the whole time is. Mu- yeah, is I mean, music there's lovers. like breaks for talking and stuff. But yeah, it's a full on musical. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. Rick Moranis, Steve Martin as the dentist. Uh, that one girl from Next Stop Greenwich Village. Who's uh, Ellen Green. Ellen Green. Right. Great. It's awesome. What a good movie. Yeah. It's so good. It is genuinely one of my favorite movies of all time. I saw that movie when I was eight years old and uh, was like immediately obsessed with it. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Frank Oz, I mean, one of the great puppet performers. He's the voice of Yoda and all these different things. And he had a pretty solid directorial career. But uh, Little Shop of Horrors is like kind of the biggest like, or the most culturally impactful thing that he directed, I'm pretty sure. And yeah, it is so, so good. It's such a great musical uh, and so weird and so dark. And the puppetry is amazing. Yeah. And, all the songs are great. And Steve Martin, it's like his best performance ever. He's so good in this movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of my, uh, my favorite things is all the, I don't know if there's a, I mean, there are a lot of like cameos, I guess, but the Christopher guest one, uh, which was very fun when Seymour was like, Oh, we'll put this like weird and interest, interesting plant in the window. Yeah. And then Christopher guest immediately busts in the door. And he's like, look at that weird and interesting plant. Um, <laughs> uh, which was fun that, it, that it's a, a, uh, death wish reunion for Christopher guest. And, uh, the guy who plays, uh, the shop owner. Oh, is Mr. The, Mushnick is in death Mr. Wish. Mr. Mushnick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is the detective <laughs> in death. Right. Wish. Uh, yeah. Gardenia is, that, is, his name. is the yeah, beat cap. Yeah. Um, so that was fun. That was like a little, little end, uh, Ellen green, you know, a little go bloom pod crossover action. Happening. Sure. So that, that was pretty fun. Um, yeah, man. And just, and just Audrey too. Yeah. And just the, the puppetry of that and everything about it and the song, just it's all good man I yeah. love, what, a, what a fun delightful movie even though it's that, so dark it's very dark and it originally was darker did you do you know if you watched the original ending or the theatrical ending because okay i don't like, know 
Okay, how does your movie end? Like a kaiju movie where the Audrey 2 take over the world. Oh, okay. So you actually didn't watch the theatrical ending. What? Uh, that's yeah. So that what you watched was the original ending, which is how the play ends. Okay. Uh, and they did that ending, and audiences hated. It. <laughs> like, <laughs> test audiences did not like the ending at all because they sympathize so much with Seymour and Audrey that they right. didn't want them to die and the plans to win and all that stuff. Uh, and so they actually shot an entirely new ending. And for a long time, that was the actual ending to Little Shop of Horrors, the movie, wow. uh, which is where they defeat Audrey, too. And Seymour and uh, Audrey kind of live happily ever after. But then, like, in their little house, you see, like, a tiny plant growing and it's a tiny Audrey, too, mm-hmm. uh, and smiles at the camera and then it uh, closes off. Uh, and that's the ending that I grew up with. It's the one that you know I love. And I love the original ending, too. <laughs> But it is just such a I'm surprised that's the version that you saw. Where did you watch Little Shop of Horrors? Just online kind of thing? Uh, by means. Yeah. OK, got it. Yeah. Did it cut to black and white when you watched it or did you watch the restored version? Because there's so many different. <laughs> oh, wow. I had no idea. This is yeah. incredible. Um, No, it was in color. Uh, OK, I think when I first found out that that ending existed, it wasn't available anywhere except in like an old grainy black and white version of it. Wow. Uh, And when the Blu-ray came out in like 2012, 2013, they like restored the ending and kind of added it. And so now you can watch both versions on the Blu-ray, like whatever you want to choose. But yeah, I'm fascinated. That's the end. Like, because you've seen Little Shop of Horrors before, right? Like way back in the day. But I can't, I don't remember. I mean, I assume, I guess it must've been the theatrical cut. I didn't even know that this was a thing. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, look up uh, the song Mean Green Mother from Outer Space. That's the that's the, that's in the original ending, I think, or okay. in the theatrical in the in the one that was the ending for many, many years. Mm-hmm. That's the song that happens. Uh, and I don't think that happens in the version that you saw. You saw like Don't Feed the Plants is the end song, right? You know, I can't really remember, Mike, okay, uh, <laughs> which song is which. But I but I definitely do remember it ends with Seymour, like being approached by a guy who's like, well, I have a, a you know, exciting business opportunity for you. We'll put one of these in every home. And then, yeah. Uh, it's like, you know, them at the grocery store is being sold to everybody and then the okay. plants attack everybody. And then and it goes on for like 10 minutes. Uh, there's yeah. like a whole sequence with the the army. It turns into like a 50s like uh, like um, nu- like nuclear era. Yeah. yeah. Movie. Uh, yep. like a mant, you know, um, type thing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and they're like on the Statue of Liberty and like with the tanks and stuff. Yep. And then that's the final scene. Yeah. Though in the in the theatrical version, in the sla- original slash theatrical, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, in like the happy ending version uh, that happens where the guy like comes up to Seymour and says, we'll sell them into every home. But then Seymour refuses him. Uh, and then and then he goes back in to confront Audrey, too, and defeat him. Got it. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm fascinated. That's the version that you got to watch uh, and didn't realize. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, but yeah, Little Chef of Horrors, it's the best. Highly recommend people watch whatever version they choose. They're both great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so definitely worth watching. Uh, so, yeah, one of my favorites. Uh, I also watched a bunch of Halloween movies. Uh, what a surprise. Of course, Halloween was on a Saturday, which was nice. Uh, we actually did a, a spooky, scary Saturday at my house. That's what we were calling it. Beautiful. Uh, me and my girlfriend. So our plan was, since we didn't have any parties to go to, uh, was to just hang out at the house uh, and wear our costumes, which were Scooby and Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Perfect. Uh, so she had like a Scooby-Doo onesie she bought at Walmart, and I bought a green T-shirt. And that was it. <laughs> Very economical of you, Mike. <laughs> Exactly. I was like, I, I'm not going to like spend hundreds of dollars on a costume that I'm not going to even going to wear to a party. So I'm just going to, you know, figure something out of the house, which granted, I don't spend that much money on costumes anyway. <laughs> My past costumes have included Bob from Bob's Burgers. 
Mm -hmm. uh, which was a white T-shirt, a white party apron and a fake mustache. Ten bucks. Perfect. Uh, uh, I also had Nicolas Cage in Raising Arizona was my costume last year, which was a very good one. All I did was shave my beard and like leave the sideburns and like put a Hawaiian shirt on. Yeah. And that was pretty much it. I had Jesse from Breaking Bad, which was a red sweatshirt and beanie. And I didn't shave for a couple of days. I'm noticing a trend here, Mike. Yeah. Whatever I can just easily assemble with the clothes that I already have. Yeah. Uh, that's my Halloween costume. It works out pretty well. Uh, I was thinking about like before COVID happened this year, I was thinking about doing uh, like actually spending some money and doing uh, Bill Murray and Steve Zizou, like life of Black suit. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be a lot of fun. I could like dye my beard white and stuff. Yeah, but, uh, that's a, a 2021 idea now. I Got guess. It. Uh, but so, yeah, we're Scooby and Shaggy for Halloween and we're just hanging out in the house. Uh, our first movie was Us, uh, the Jordan Peele movie from 2019, which uh, we reviewed on this mm-hmm. podcast. Or I think that was right before we did Mike and Mike go to the movies. We were still filming bookcast. Yeah. And yeah, it's still really good. I think even better on the second watch, which, uh, you know, I hadn't watched it since it was in theaters. Uh, still really great. And my girlfriend had never seen it and she really liked it. She thought it was kind of weird, but she did really like it. Nice. Uh, you know, still very intense, still very scary, still very funny. It's, it's us. It's very good. Uh, I think in some ways superior to get out in some way, like get, get out was such a cultural watershed moment. Uh, and it kind of has that over us. And like so much of it is instantly iconic and us is a much messier, more ambitious sort of movie. But I think I preferred rewatching us to rewatch and get out uh, when I rewatched because I rewatched get out early this year. But yeah, so there's us and then went over to HBO max. Actually, we watched us and HBO max and then we kept staying on HBO (laughs) max (laughs) and we decided, you know what? We're dressed as Scooby and Shaggy. We should probably watch Scoob. There you are. This mangy strays done enough damage for today. He's coming with me. He's not a stray. Is he your dog? He's like totally mine. If you want to be. I'd like that very much. Okay, then. What's his name? I don't have one. His name's... Snacks. What? Snacks? Uh, I mean, Scooby. Middle name? Doobie? Last name? Do. All right. If the dog has a middle name, there's no punishment for damages or theft. I don't like it, but them's the laws. Well, have a good day, sir. Mr. Doobie-Doo. Which is the new Scooby-Doo movie, which was supposed to be out in theaters this year and then wasn't because of the pandemic, so it went to video on demand, and now it's available on HBO Max. It's bad. Don't watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't even bother? No, I mean, it just, it doesn't feel true to the spirit of Scooby-Doo. You know, I wish uh, more movie reviews could rhyme because <laughs> that was delightful. Yeah, it just feels like, you know, Scooby Doo, like the the appealing thing about it is kind of like it's like, oh, spooky ish horror stuff, but it's for kids. It's like yeah. you can watch it, you know, it's, but it's like I remember having memories of watching Scooby Doo on Zombie Island, which we've talked about on this podcast and being genuinely scared when I was a kid. But Absolutely. loving that and like loving the characters of Scooby Doo and Shaggy and the gang. And, you know, I was very into Scooby Doo and I loved a pup named Scooby Doo and 13 ghosts of Scooby Doo and, you know, all that stuff. Like I was very into it for a long time uh, and kind of grew out of it as the years went on. But I still have a soft spot for like the nostalgic Scooby Doo stuff mm-hmm. that I liked when I was a kid. 
I've heard the new show is actually really good too. Uh, Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated is supposed have, to be good. I have heard that also, which is very strange. A friend of mine uh, and his uh, partner are watching. I don't know if they're watching those old shows or something, but he was texting me about like Scooby Doo and the Vampire Witches or whatever. That, I forget what it is. Uh, it uh, like, there's the Witch's Ghost. There's the Reluctant Werewolf. There's uh, the Boo Brothers. What do you got? <laughs> I got it. It was one of the movies, but it was about vampires, and he was very excited about it, and that it was very okay. good. Scooby-Doo and the Witches. There we go. I was wrong. Uh, and that it's a tight 75 minutes. Big recommend. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> I think most of those Scooby-Doo movies are a tight 75 yeah. actually. But yeah, so Scoob is a completely CGI Scoob, Scooby-Doo movie, which is fine, whatever. But the animation's not that great. Like, it just looks very bland. And, you know, it just feels like, hey, it's trying to create this, like, Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe and make it more about superheroes and stuff. Right. Uh, which, on one level, is fine, because I like some of that Hanna-Barbera stuff and so Blue uh, I think it's Blue Falcon is like the character they're interacting with and Dino Mutt is a big part of the movie uh, <laughs> Dick Dastardly and Muttley are the villain of the movie and Captain Caveman shows up for an extended cameo and that's all kind that of stuff fun. yeah it, that's fun that's fun stuff and like in, in during the end credits you can see Jabberjaw and that kind of thing which I'm a huge Jabberjaw fan if they made a Jabberjaw movie I'd be all in you're in uh, but, uh, but yeah I just like it felt like it was trying to build a universe instead of actually building a Scooby-Doo movie, which, mm-hmm. OK, whatever. But it's also trying to be like, you know, hip to the kids of today, you know, and there's references to like TikTok and, you know, all that stuff. And like it's trying to be like, you know, this corporate version of woke and stuff yeah. like that. Like, you know, Velma's trick or treating when she's a kid and she's Ruth Bader Ginsburg and <laughs> all that all that stuff. And that's like, so. yeah, exactly. It's just I don't know. It feels like it was trying so hard and it just missed <laughs> the mark. Uh, and also, I mean, Will Forte plays Shaggy and I love Will Forte. He doesn't sound like Shaggy. <laughs> like, like it really feels off throughout the movie. And I guess Matthew Lillard, who played him in the live action movies, has been voicing Shaggy for many years on many different shows. And he sounds good. Like, he sounds <laughs> yeah. really good. Uh, so, yeah, Scoob. It's whatever, man. It's <laughs> there's a couple of decent jokes, but otherwise there's actually one really funny joke where like somebody like I think Thelma's like analyzing like a piece of evidence and it's like mustache hairs and the scent of scotch. And Daphne is like, is the villain my father? <laughs> like, <laughs> dark. Oh, my God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that was a pretty dark joke. But that's, that's probably the best joke in the movies. <laughs> okay. So there's that. Uh, my entertainment kids, but uh, I found it to be just not true to the <laughs> not true to Scooby-Doo, as I said before. Uh, and then our last movie for uh, Spooky Scary Saturday was Scream 2. Uh, because we had watched Scream the other night, which I'll oh. talk about that in a second. But uh, we watched Scream, too, because it, like I think my girlfriend was interested in like seeing the story progress of Scream. Uh, and also, I had never actually seen all of Scream, too. Uh, Interesting. <laughs> like I had seen Scream many times. I saw Scream 4 in theaters and I saw like half of Scream 2 when I was in college at some point, but never finished it. Uh, and I've never seen Scream 3 either. So we finally watched Scream 2. It's pretty good. Not as good as Scream, but it's pretty good. Nice. Uh, got a wild cast. Timothy Oliphant's in that movie. Sarah Michelle Gellar, Liev Schreiber. Uh, and that's all on top of, you know, the people who were returning from the first Scream, like Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette and Jamie Kennedy and all that stuff. So, yeah, pretty fun movie. Some fun twists and turns. And, and I wanted to mention uh, the original Scream because we watched that a few days earlier. And that was supposed to be the final movie of Centerfield Cinema, uh. Uh, which I've talked about many, many times uh, over the course of this uh, podcast and this summer. 
it's, you know, the Roxy has been doing these movies at the ballpark here in town, Ogren Park, because they haven't been doing games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were kind of figuring out different socially distanced events they can do. And a weekly movie screening was one of them. Uh, I went to every single Centerfield cinema this summer. Uh, it was like literally my release, you know, yeah. like, like like being cooped up in the house these last like two weeks that Centerfield Cinema and the Roxy Garden have been closed have been horrible <laughs> <laughs> because I haven't been able to leave to go watch movies. I've had to watch them on the couch. And when you start just doing that like over and over, it does get a little monotonous. But so Scream was supposed to be the last movie at Centerfield Cinema. And it ended up being canceled, uh, supposedly because the town kind of upped its COVID restrictions, which is a good thing. I think it's also because ticket sales were probably pretty down because the weather has been getting very cold. Right. Uh, So because Scream was canceled, Centerfield Cinema, we ended up watching it at my house. I do have it on Blu-ray. It had been a few years since I watched it. And uh, man, still holds up. Great movie. Just a perfect blend of horror and comedy uh, like Wes Craven at his best. And just it's so good. Scream is great. Yeah, I had the uh, interesting, weird experience of having only seen Scary Movie when I was younger. So then when I finally watched Scream, I was like, Scary Movie is the best spoof of all time. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like I never knew how, like, spot on accurate and perfect the the parody is of Scream in Scary Movie because I had never seen Scream. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's a movie I haven't seen in years, Scream. And I don't think I've I've never seen the other ones like the sequels. And that's definitely a franchise that's been like on my radar of like. I need to do a complete watch of the Scream movies because um, yeah. it's a blind spot for me in the, you know, millennial horror. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, and, and it did redefine horror for a generation. I mean, at that point, slashers had been very much on their way out. Their horror movies in general just weren't performing all that well at the box office. And then Scream came along, did this sort of self-aware thing, and it was a huge hit. And suddenly every movie was trying to copy Scream. Yeah. Uh, and Nobody really did it as good as Scream did until maybe Cabin in the Woods, like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, which was almost two full decades later. So, yeah, I mean, Scream inspired so many imitators, but it still really, really works. Uh, I think a lot of people had that experience, too, where they saw Scary Movie first and then saw Scream, you know? Yeah, at least our Uh, age. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like people our age, like that's kind of the thing. I, I actually I never really saw the first Scary Movie until after I saw Scream. Uh, but I was super into scary movie three and four, like way before yeah. <laughs> Scream was like those were my scary movies because they were like more of the airplane style spoof movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had Leslie Nielsen in them, who I was a big fan of. And the original scary movie, when I finally saw it, I had seen Scream. And I remember thinking it's kind of weird that they're parodying Scream because Scream is already yeah. skewering the horror genre in its own way. And it's like now it's just adding like, you know, dick and boob jokes on top yep. of that. Yeah. <laughs> It's very it's a very weird thing to be parodying. But yeah, Scream, I think Scary Movie 3 was the one that I got to see in theaters because that was when that was coming out. You know, like that was that age finally. But it was definitely like my friend's older brother. We would sleep over and we would watch Scary Movie and it was just the funniest thing ever because they were dick and boob jokes. uh, And you're 13 or however old we are. Uh, And then I saw Scary. I saw Scream and I was like, holy shit, this is like uh, my appreciation for Scary Movie went up so much more. (laughs) (laughs) Which makes no sense, but... Fair enough. So yeah, Scream is great. I also uh, watched Halloween, uh, which was the final movie at the Roxy Garden. Luckily, that got to happen. The last couple of Roxy Garden movies were rained out, uh, weather and stuff like that, but uh, this final weekend actually got to happen. So the day before Halloween, went to go see the original Halloween, 
Outdoors, uh, which was a lot of fun. Still one of the best horror movies ever. That was great. And then at some point right before Halloween, me and my old roommates uh, kind of Skyped in and we all watched Trick or Treat together. Uh, which was our tradition back when we were you know, living together. And we've all kind of kept the tradition alive separately, like mm-hmm. since then. Uh, so like since 2015, like we've all watched Trick or Treat every year, but just like we would text each other afterwards and be like, hey, I watched Trick or Treat. Have you watched it yet? No, I haven't done that yet. Uh, and so this year we all just got figured out a time, watched it all together at the same time. And uh, yeah, Trick or Treat still rocked. It's the best. Nice. That's awesome. I'm glad you guys get to all hang out and watch it together. That's fun. Yes. Next time you should join us, Mike. It should, it'll be a good time. Yeah. I'm done. All I'm right. down. Next year. So pencil that in for uh, October 2021. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Maybe by then we'll actually be able to watch it in person together. Maybe. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Uh, but all right. So that's all my Halloween stuff that I wanted to get out there. Mike, what else have you been watching this week? Um, I actually watched across another one off my, uh, you know, been meaning to watch list for a very long time, and that is uh, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. You don't really know much about Halloween. You thought no further than the strange custom of having your children wear masks and go out begging for candy. It was the start of the year in our old Celtic lands, and we'd be waiting in our houses of wattles and clay. The barriers will be down, you see, between the real and the unreal. And the dead might be looking in to sit by our fires of turf. Halloween. The festival of Samhain. The last great one took place 3,000 years ago when the hills ran red with the blood of animals and children. Sacrifices to the part of our world, our craft. Witchcraft. To us, it was a way of controlling our environment. It's not so different now. It's time again. In the end, we don't decide these things, you know. The planets do. They're in alignment. And it's time again. The world's going to change tonight, Doctor. I'm glad you'll be able to watch it. Ooh, I saw that at the Roxy last year, actually, for the first time. And uh, the the Roxy Theater, by the way, the indie theater near my house in Missoula, Montana. Who could forget? Uh, (laughs) Um, uh, But yeah, that movie rocks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is one that, you know, I feel like was uh, much maligned at its release because it doesn't have Michael Myers in it. And it's, you know, the original idea of Halloween was to be an anthology series and all this stuff. And then it bombed and then they were like, OK, got to bring back Michael Myers for Halloween four. And that's been it. <laughs> and uh, but I feel like recently, at least it's developed a cult and like it kind of had a, a critical reappraisal and stuff, or at least more vocally than it ever had. And I was like, fuck it. You know what? I'm going to watch it. I'm going to check this movie out. I've been meaning to watch it for a long time. And yeah, I mean, this movie's really good. It's fun. It's interesting. It's weird and different. And it's Tom Atkins, right? Is his name is the main guy yeah. like uncovering this conspiracy with the Halloween masks and pieces of stonehenge that's gonna kill children on halloween night when they play this commercial subliminal message thing and like what that's fucking awesome uh so yeah i mean it was a lot of fun and it was cool but i i feel like this is definitely one that if i was in a group like if this was at a hudson horror show or a dismember the alamo uh one of those kind of situations this would be a lot better 
Uh, or I would have a better reaction to it, rather. Um, yeah. Because, you know, kind of alone on the couch, like you said, it's fine. It, yeah, it's fun. It's cool. It's different. It's weird. It's got that kind of 80s horror stuff. Tom Atkins is like one punch knocking out dudes. So that's cool. Uh, and it's just kind of creepy and off off putting. But it's not I can see how this would fail after Halloween one and two, right? Like yeah. you set the expectation of slasher of, of, of Michael Myers. And then you get this kind of weird other thing. Uh, and it makes sense that it would kind of bomb at that time. And I forget, I had another point I was going to make about it, but it's, it's immediately left my brain. So that's, that's it. Halloween <laughs> three though, season of the witch. It's fun. It's interesting. You know, it's cool. It's cool to cross it off the list. And if it was just called season of the witch, I think this would be a much bigger, success you know if it didn't have the halloween 3 title right yeah i do think also if it was if it was halloween 2 season of the right Witch, absolutely yeah i think i could have like set the entire halloween series on a whole different trajectory you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's there, like i feel like there was so much potential in that idea to get like a different filmmaker on every movie and do like a different horror movie every single year kind of all based around halloween and then it just flops didn't happen yeah <laughs> didn't happen. Oh, the thing i was gonna say is the the weirdest part is you watch the trailer for halloween on the tv in halloween 3 there's like a yeah. commercial like oh it's airing later tonight and then like later they're watching it on tv and they're watching halloween it was so strange yeah. like the smash uh, the, the world smash hit i was like <laughs> can you really put that in your own movie <laughs> john carpenter was just really excited about yeah. having that big hit because he would struggle to have that big hit for the rest of his career yeah absolutely uh but actually one of the fun things watching halloween again which i think i had noted when I rewatched it before I saw Halloween 2018. Mm-hmm. But one of the fun things in the original Halloween is that the movie they're watching on TV is The Thing from Another World, which John Carpenter would remake a couple couple of years later yeah. uh, as The Thing, which is kind of awesome. That's pretty <laughs> That's dope. Pretty I do like that one a lot. And I think that was even like before he was attached to remake the movie. He was just like, this is a movie I really like. I would like to put this in the, in the thing. Yeah. But yeah, in Halloween 3, like I said, I saw that the Roxy and I can vouch for it being a great theatrical experience Mm -hmm. uh my girlfriend saw it with me and she did not like it so (laughs) (laughs) absolutely hated the movie uh and had the uh halloween song which goes three more days till halloween 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 uh stuck in her head for uh days partially because i kept singing (laughs) the song silver shamrock uh yeah yeah, sad times and i definitely remember uh tom atkins is in that uh documentary i think it was in search of darkness or something like searching for darkness or something that's on shutter where they're going through 80s horror movies uh and he talks about that like everyone on set hated that because they had to listen to it so many times through every take and were like everyone was losing their mind having to listen to this 10 second jingle constantly over and over while filming so that is halloween 3 season of the witch uh glad you finally got to cross that off the list and uh, hopefully we get to like rewatch that at some point with an audience or something uh that would be cool i have a couple of documentaries that uh, i wanted to throw out there uh, first of which is a new movie called Dick Johnson is Dead, uh, which is uh, a Netflix original or Netflix acquired it or whatever it is. It has the little N symbol on <laughs> on the top corner of the poster on Netflix. Uh, but this is a new documentary uh, directed by Kirsten Johnson, uh, and it's about her father, Dick Johnson. Uh, and Dick Johnson uh, is a man who is, you know, elderly. He's, uh, he's starting to go through a little bit of dementia a little bit. And he's trying to like, you, you know, he's getting to a point where he has to live with her again. And so this is sort of a movie about him and about 
the greeting process while the person is still alive and you're starting to lose them a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a really interesting look at that process. Uh, And I think it's a really sympathetic and really great look. By the way, Dick Johnson is still alive. Uh, Wow. (laughs) Throwing that out there. Uh, Yeah. By the end of the movie, uh, I don't know if that's a spoiler or not, but Dick Johnson is still alive. And that to me is like, like it's it's her kind of preparing herself for the eventuality of her father's death. Right. Uh, and, you know, there's the whole sequence where uh, they go through like this kind of staged funeral that he gets to watch and all this stuff. But they're also filming a movie throughout this in which he dies in increasingly hilarious ways. Uh, like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like they're using because she's a filmmaker and has worked on like movies and movie sets and stuff for years. And so she assembles this crew and they're creating, you know, kind of movie scenarios where like an air conditioner will fall <laughs> on his head or something like that. And so he's like walking through and then you see it, like he'll, he's actually like filming these things with them and like a stunt person will jump in and take the hit and all this stuff. Uh, and so he's it's also a process of watching your own father's death many many times over and over again uh in that way uh and it kind of combines that element of the movie into this actual real life uh thing they're going through and uh it's a really really interesting documentary the other reason i watched it is it's popped up on a lot of like critics like notice like people on twitter have been Mm -hmm. talking about it and all that stuff so it's definitely a worth checking out i definitely recommend uh dick johnson is dead which is on netflix right now and then another documentary I wanted to mention, which uh, our buddy Sam, who was on the podcast a few weeks back, uh, he actually talked about this a while ago. It's a class action park from this year, which is an HBO Max original. That's where that's available. Uh, and it's a documentary about Action Park, the uh, notorious theme park that was very dangerous, very unsafe. People died at Action <laughs> Park. And Sam talked about it pretty well. I want to like kind of just repeat what he said, but mm-hmm. it's a pretty good documentary. Uh, I think it's weird a little bit because it start like the first hour and 20 minutes are like, you know, just them talking about, man, how radical this place was. <laughs> like the rides were so dangerous and insane. There was no rules at action park. It was so eighties. And then the last 20 minutes were like, yeah, but it was very serious. People died. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, it, yeah. It, and it almost feels like it's, it's really attempting to say something about our relationship to nostalgia in a certain way, but it comes off as like a little weird mm-hmm. <laughs> like that. It's like, like the tone of this movie drastically shifts. Uh, but the reason I actually wanted to mention it was because on the podcast that Sam was on, I mentioned that uh, I'm pretty sure I had been to Action Park. Uh, and in fact, I sort of have. Uh, I have been to Mountain Creek Park. OK, uh, which is the park that replaced Action Park ah. uh, after it closed down, which is in New Jersey. Uh, and when I went to Mountain Creek Park, uh, I remember I didn't know much about Action Park at the time. I think I'd heard the name or whatever, but I didn't really know its reputation. Uh, and when I went to Mountain Creek, I kept thinking to myself, a lot of these rides seem pretty dangerous. <laughs> Seems like death traps. What's that happening? We're going for. Uh, and I kind of looked into it and it looks like Mountain Creek kind of kept a lot, some of the stuff from Action Park, but they, you know, severely changed a lot of it and sanded it down, like made it, you know, more accessible for people to actually live uh, right. and not get hurt uh, on the rides and stuff like that. But there is still stuff where you just like jump off a cliff and land in a wave pool like that, <laughs> like that kind of thing. Amazing. So, yeah. So there is a remnant of Action Park that still exists in New Jersey. 
Uh, and I have been there, but I have not been to the actual action park, which closed in like 96. Okay. Uh, so there you go. Class action park, which uh, is available on HBO Max right now. Worth checking out. It's a fun time. Uh, Chris Gethard is a comedian I really like, and he's in this because he was a kid in New Jersey growing up when action park was a thing. And he talks about how crazy it was. And Allison Parker, I think your name is. She was Shauna Mulway Tweep on Parks and Recreation. <laughs> uh, she's also one of the people who just talks about action park a lot. It's like those two comedians and like, other people right who are just talking about this uh which is kind of weird but there you go class action bark on hbo max right now mike what else you've been watching um i watched uh a movie kind of just by chance uh the other day uh this is a brand new movie from i think 2019 or 2020 some somewhere in there a very recent movie called swallow it stars Haley bennett yeah I, I had heard about this before i heard it on shockwaves podcast you know they get to go to the festivals and all the things and they talked about it talked it up a bunch last year or this year i i can't tell what time is anymore so who knows when the hell they talked about this if they talked about it in uh january through march it was 10 years ago basically um (laughs) so yeah so they were they were talking it up and and the the plot of this movie is uh Haley bennett's character um becomes pregnant and she develops i think it's pica or pica i think it's pica which is like an actual real disorder that pregnant women have the like uncontrolled urge to eat like inedible objects uh you know like and it starts with her like swallowing a marble uh, and it slowly escalates from there and it becomes kind of about this you know sense of captivity she's feeling where she's this kind of person from a poor or like you know kind of undefined background maybe with some childhood trauma uh that you know kind of marries into this you know industry family very rich kind of like ready or not like kind of thing yeah uh where she ends up in this situation where she's kind of just this guy's wife now and like that's sort of it and then this is like her chance to regain some control uh over her life and it manifests in this syndrome or whatever pika or pika and man this movie is wild because it's 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 so un it has this kind of like a24 I don't think it is an A24 movie. I don't think so. But it has this kind of style to it, you know, where it's kind of, I don't know how to describe that, whatever that feeling might be. Like weird, interesting color palettes, right angles, straight lines, uh, you know, this kind yeah. of pristine world that she's now part of as this like, you know, mega rich family uh, and how she's such an outsider to it. And just the way that like the stuff she eats is filmed. Like, I kind of want to try eating a thumbtack. I don't like, you know what I mean? Like, like it kind of presents it in this like appetizing or appealing way, like these beautiful close ups with this gorgeous slow motion lighting. And oh, my God. And she like feels so empowered when she eats it. And then you're like, Holy, wait, that was a battery. Um, like, you yeah. know, uh, and 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 uh, yeah, it kind of just escalates and gets gets pretty wild. Uh, so and I just randomly flipped past this on like, you know, HBO or Showtime or whatever. I was scanning past and I was like, wait a second, is this the thing? And I like read the synopsis and I was like, oh, I guess I got to watch it now. It's 1130 right. at night, uh, whatever. Yeah. So that's Swallow from this year or last year. Yeah, it's a this year release, although I don't want to be the guy who says I saw Swallow before it was cool. Uh, but but i did see it uh last year at the montana film festival uh the roxy uh which is the inner theater near my house in missoula montana they put this film festival on every year it's like six or seven years deep this year was virtual because of covid but last year in 2019 uh swallow was one of the movies and i had heard like you know interesting enough things uh about it because i like i 
I went to like three or four movies at the film festival and I was like carefully selecting. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh man, there's like so much choices. I I want to like mess up and like choose something that's kind of lame or something that I'm not going to like as much as this. Uh, and Swallow was one of the ones I chose. And I was glad I did. It's it's very, very good. Yeah, I remember um, uh, Rebecca McKendry, who's one of the hosts of Shockwaves, talking about like, when she was pregnant, her doctor like had to like, you know, warned her about this, about like, if you ever really? feel like you're going to drink bleach or eat some staples or like any like anything dangerous, just give me a call. Um, so apparently yeah, this is a th- this is a thing that like happens, apparently. I mean, I guess it met, you know, can manifest in whatever way. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's that there's, you know, a scene with an ultrasound in this movie where like. The doctor's like, um, what's all this then? Um, basically. <laughs> and they like, you know, have show all the stuff that happened. They pull out of her stomach and uh, man, some dark stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And Haley Bennett, too, is really great in the movie. Yeah. And for years, like for a couple of years, she had popped up in a few things here and there. And every time she popped up, my only thought was like, wow. That girl looks a lot like Jennifer Lawrence. That's all I thought this entire movie, and I feel so bad. Uh, But she's actually really good in this. Yes. And she was probably good in this other ones, but it was always like a thankless role. Like she was in the Magnificent Seven remake as like the one girl in that movie. What? Uh, You know, like that that kind of thing. Yeah. So the Rosanna Arquette role from Silverado or from Fathers and Sons. Uh, (laughs) Goldboom Pod crossovers. uh, I love them every time. Absolutely. Uh, So, yeah, so that's Swallow, which is available. kind of everywhere right now. It's just kind of available in general yeah. uh, on video on demand and on cable, I guess, and stuff. I had a few other new releases I wanted to talk about. Uh, first of which is a new Netflix movie, which I think came out back in September. Uh, and this was actually supposed to hit theaters, I believe. That was the original plan. But then, you know, COVID. Mm-hmm. And that is a new action adventure movie directed by Harry Bradbeer. It's called Enola Holmes. The first thing you need to know is that my mother named me Enola. She insisted on it, in fact. I know it's an unusual name, but my mother is rather a fan of word games. On your mark. Get set. Go. And Anola spelt backwards. Reads well alone. Yeah. She would continually tell me. You'll do very well on your own, Anola. Mm-hmm. And yet, we were always together. Yes. My father died when I was young. I don't really remember him. And both my brothers left home soon after. I barely remember them either. So then it was just the two of us. And it was wonderful. She was not an ordinary mother. She didn't teach me to string seashells or practice my embroidery. We did different things. Reading. Science. Sports. All sorts of exercise both physical and mental. Mother said we were free to do anything at Fandle. Ah, sorry, Grandpa. And be anyone. Uh, So Enola Holmes is a a movie starring Millie Bobby Brown as the younger sister of Sherlock and Mycroft Holmes. Uh, And it's a pretty fun premise. Millie Bobby Brown's really good in it. Henry Cavill plays Sherlock Holmes. uh, And that's pretty cool. (laughs) Uh, Sam Claflin plays Mycroft and their mom is played by Helena Bonham Carter. Uh, And I guess this is based on a series of like young adult books that came out in like the mid 2000s. I had never heard of them. I I was not familiar with these books at all. I saw that it was a Netflix original and I was like, okay, I was going to pass by it as just one of those like, 
well, it's a Netflix original. It's going to be one of those like like the same as every other Netflix yeah. original that comes out. Like it didn't like really stand out to me. And then I'd seen enough decent things on Twitter and stuff like that. And then I saw that it was supposed to be a theatrical thing. And I was like, oh, maybe there's actually something behind this. Uh, and there is there's some really fun stuff happening in this movie. I don't think it's great. But I think it's a fun time. It's like a solid three out of five. I think the real discovery here is that Millie Bobby Brown can really hold her own as like the lead of a movie, Mm -hmm. which I think people probably suspected. But like her only other movie, I think, at this point is the Godzilla sequel, uh, which is whatever. Uh, (laughs) She'll she'll be back in Godzilla versus Kong whenever that comes out. But but, uh, yeah, you know, and it's a very different role than what she does in Stranger Things as Eleven. Right. This Mm -hmm. is a much more outgoing, charismatic character. Uh, and you're very feminist and stuff like that. So it's a really fun movie to watch. Uh, and she's doing like this kind of breaking the fourth wall thing throughout the movie. It's sort of like a Deadpool or situation. And, you know, there's some very funny moments. There's one moment uh, about halfway through the movie. She's in a fight with Burn Gorman and he's like drowning her in <laughs> in this water barrel. And it looks like he kills her, like her body stops moving. And then the camera is facing up from the water barrel and you just see her face. And her eyes open up and she winks at the camera and like <laughs> jumps, like comes around and punches Burn Gorman. And it's like this is like that was like a star making moment from Millie right. Bobby Brown. What a delight. Uh, it's, it was really great. So, uh, yeah, I I didn't love the movie, but I thought it was fun. And I think I would watch a sequel if a sequel is to come around, which I think it probably will. Uh, you know, it just seems like it's been a bigger hit for Netflix over the past uh, few months and stuff like that. So definitely worth keeping that in mind. So yeah, and Noah Holmes, which is uh, again directed by Harry Bradbeer, who directed uh, a lot of the Fleabag episodes that, uh, I, that when you that said show. like Deadpool, I was like, but actually like Fleabag <laughs> is what I was thinking. <laughs> uh, well, I haven't watched Fleabag yet, Mike. So my, mm. my frame of references. I see. Different. I see. <laughs> yeah. Have you watched Fleabag? I did. Did I not talk about oh, that man. on the show? I don't think you've ever talked about uh, watching Fleabag on on the show, Mike. Wow. Well, uh, are you done with Enola Holmes? <laughs> yeah, I'm done. Okay. Yeah, just go, go off on Fleabag. Cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, in quarantine, uh, just uh, to circle back to your point, a, a perfectly fun three out of five. Uh, we count those as a win in quarantine. Oh. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I watched Fleabag uh, a couple months ago, actually, when I was at uh, my friend's house in Rhode Island, when I was house sitting for them. I... Uh, was like, hey, oh. these, uh, you know, these episodes are 28 minutes long or whatever they are, and they're six per season. I'm just going to watch them all. And I watched uh, both seasons. It's very good. Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, amazing, incredible, love it. And it's got that uh, that fun, you know, wink at the camera thing. I, I actually, you know, I feel like that can get kind of annoying, like in the office, you know, like that kind of becomes like a shtick. Sure. You know, it's like, yeah. it's tired. I mean, it's, the office built so much of itself on that, but that's also like, it's a documentary type yeah. thing. It's a little bit different. It is different. I was thinking more like it can be annoying. It can be annoying in like House of Cards. That was like, right. Like, which I mean, House of Cards, I, I can't even imagine watching that show Jesus. for variety imagine? reasons. Yeah. But, uh, but back in the day when like House of Cards was the flagship Netflix show, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, you'd watch it and Kevin Spacey would narrate and like kind of turn to the camera and do his thing. And it was kind of fresh for a few episodes. And then, you know, once you're a season and a half in, it's like, Jesus Christ, this fucking sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think it kind of, it kind of, the way it builds into the narrative where it's sort of, you know, Fleabag, uh, like telling us the story sort of is kind of the device it's using. So like it, it kind of 
never really wears out its welcome. Plus, it's only 12, 28 minute episodes. Or so, you know, or 22 minutes. Maybe. You really got to stress that. Yeah. Right? Like it's like, <laughs> a, you know, you can watch it in a single day and be done with the series, which is great. Yeah. And it's very funny and hilarious and, and awkward and weird and, and everything. And the guy who plays the hot priest, whose name I can't remember, that's in everything now. Uh, you know, you know who he is. He was. Um, sure. He was the bad guy on the on Sherlock. Uh, um, okay, I never watched Sherlock. Oh actually. my god, yeah. Mike! <laughs> uh, what else you got? I'm so I'm so behind in my British TV. On your British uh, Netflix originals. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, they're not Netflix originals. Uh, Fleabag's on Amazon. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Sherlock was BBC. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Well, yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, Fleabag, very good. Uh, original okay. thoughts from me. Uh, my last yes. actual discussion though is. Uh, also another movie that I'll have no original thoughts on because it's a stone cold classic. And that is uh, Poltergeist directed by Toby. Hooper. Yeah. Or Steven Spielberg. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, this was a movie. I actually was inspired to watch this uh, because <laughs> we were playing my D&D game on Saturday. Right. And we did a thing yeah. where we're in like a kind of cursed city, blah, you know, dark fantasy D&D stuff. And we found a shrine to a god where we could rest. That was like in a protected you know, God aura, basically. And one of my yeah. friends was like, this house is clean. Uh, and I was like, you know what? I should watch Poltergeist today. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I watched Poltergeist. That's all it takes. That's all, yeah, it doesn't take much. Uh, so I watched, I ordered some pizza and I watched Poltergeist Saturday. The election was called for Biden. What a great day. And <laughs> yeah, man, I mean, this is a movie I, you know, I've, I've seen a bunch before and I haven't, but I haven't seen it in a long time. I guess, you know, it's been years since I've watched Poltergeist because it's another one of those movies where it's like, I know that's a classic and I loved it, but like, man, yeah, well, I got some other stuff to watch, you know, and I and then and then you were shocked when it turned out the ending was the ghost taking over the world right? and the being about Statue of Liberty. Yeah, and scary movie. It turned into a 50s propaganda. The scary movie is a perfect parody. <laughs> Who knew? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Pol- I mean, everything about Poltergeist and you, you love it. It's great. It's it's got the the Spielberg of effects. There's a lot of Spielberg face, a lot of a lot of uh, dolly zooms, a lot of, you know, with sure. the, the one with a to great effect with the mom. I'm running down the hallway to the bedroom when the hallway just goes on forever now while she's running it was awesome uh i mean some of the the special effects stuff like the actual like you know when when the paranormal investigators show up and they show them the room and there's like all the toys and the books flying around the room and like all this weird stuff uh it kind of looks like you're watching like a 50s 3d movie without the 3d because like it goes yeah. like into their faces and they're like whoa like it coming straight at the camera and stuff. Uh, so that was kind of funny and cheesy, but otherwise, I mean, all the practical effects are amazing. The clown, the clown yeah. choking the kid and dragging him under the bed and the daughter being, you know, sucked into the closet and the, you know, don't go into the light and all that stuff was amazing. And the guy ripping his yep. face off is amazing, which you mentioned. Um, uh, I was there too on a, last week. I forget. Or recently, uh, some, possibly. Yeah. And, uh, there's an excellent episode of, I was there too where uh that guy that guy that plays a paranormal investigator that rips his face off is the guy on the episode and it's incredible it's a wonderful interview i highly recommend people go find that if they can um that was a really good one that was a two-part interview because he was also spielberg's uh assistant director on raiders of the lost right that's right and so he recorded two episodes about both of those uh, things which is pretty wild yeah i mean just pull the guys well i mean what more do i need to say they 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 moved the headstones but they left the bodies what a great twist 
the sons of bitches. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Uh, yeah, no, Poltergeist is great. That's really the movie that got me into like horror movies when I was a yeah. kid too. That's the one I saw when I was like eight years old. That I was like, this is incredible. Yeah, and that was one that like I watched with like my mom and stuff who isn't really into horror movies, but she was like, hey, Poltergeist is on. This is great. Yeah, uh, it's it's a great movie. It's the best. I definitely watched Poltergeist and Carrie when I was very young, and they were like kind of my like kinder trauma horror movies. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Poltergeist is such a good kids horror movie. Yeah. You know, it's a PG rated movie. It's scary. And it's in some places very scary, mm-hmm. but it's, it's not like too scary. It's not gory or anything like that. It's just spooky. Yeah. Except for that one scene where the guy rips his face off. Uh, well, yeah, there, there is that. <laughs> but overall, like that's one scene in a you know two hour movie or whatever. Yeah. And it's on Netflix right now. So give, give it a watch if you haven't seen Poltergeist in a while. Nice. Yeah. Poltergeist from 1982. And then I have a couple more recent movies to uh, to kind of end on today. First of which, another horror movie, uh, which uh, kind of made a lot of headlines like July or whatever, uh, because everybody was saying it was very good. And that is Relic from uh, director Natalie Erica James Uh, stars Emily Mortimer as uh, this woman whose mother uh, who is now an elderly woman has gone missing and she's been suffering from dementia uh, and things like that. And so she goes to her her house and tries to find her. And when the mother returns, she seems different. You know, mm. things are a little bit off and no, she's not really sure where she's been. She doesn't know what she's seen. Uh, and so Emily Mortimer is trying to deal with that. And her daughter is also there, played by Bella Heathcote. Uh, and this is a really, really solid atmospheric movie uh, in the vein of like an A24 horror movie. It feels like a hereditary or it comes at night or whatever. And it's pretty good. I liked it. I, I think Emily Mortimer and uh, the daughter and the old woman, like I forget what the woman, old woman, older woman's uh, actress name is her real name. Mm-hmm. But they're all very good in the movie and they're really like the only major characters in the movie. And the, it's kind of just them in a house for two hours. Uh, and it is this very clear metaphor on dementia and losing a loved one and kind of losing them to that. It's very similar to Dick Johnson is dead, actually, the way I'm describing. <laughs> I was going to say, are you OK, Mike? You kind of yeah. <laughs> anything you want to talk about? Okay? Uh, been watching the, these movies for no particular reason. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Re- Re- Relic is a really solid horror movie. There's some really uh, effective scares that happen in the back half of the movie. Uh, I didn't all totally work for me or didn't come together in the way that like Hereditary does, which is you know, probably an unfair thing to right. judge it against because hereditary fucking rules, but it's still good. I, I liked it. I, I don't think it's as good as some of the uh, reviews made it out to be, but it is still a really interesting look at that kind of stuff through the lens of horror. Uh, and there has been like a wave of horror that is also about something else uh, over the past uh, few years. And this is the latest entry in that. Uh, and then I also wanted to mention another uh, new kind of horror, kind of comedy, kind of drama. There's really no way to categorize this movie, uh, but The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Shut down the mountain. Get these cars out of here. Call your people. We need this parking lot. John. It's another young woman. John, they're saying that it's a big bear, big jaw. No, it's a man. When do I get to be right about something? The canine's lower mandible. That's what they're get saying. Get him on the phone. I'm not listening to I got to him on the phone. I'm telling you what they're saying. Hey, you can't park that here. You can't park that here. We need you 500 feet away at least. The crime scene. Just park up Elm Street. I got Monica Bravo out here. Call the news. None of you talk to me at once, okay? Yes, sorry, Brittany. I'm going to be there January 28th. Do not call me again, okay? Do not call me. I am at work. Who's the victim? Is she local? Looks like it. We gotta get a van before we're out of here. All right, hey, do we have anybody of our guys in a van? We're gonna need fingerprints. Her top is gone. Her, her, her what? Her, her head. Her, her head is gone. 
Got it. From writer-director Jim Cummings, who a couple of years ago wrote and directed a movie called Thunder Road, which I have not seen, but I've heard is very good. Uh, I've also heard the character that he plays in that movie is very similar to the character he plays <laughs> in this movie in that he's an asshole. <laughs> Uh, so the plot of Snow Hollow is Jim Cummings, who is the writer and director of the movie. Uh, he plays this police officer in this very small town in some Midwestern state. I'm blanking on it. It might be like North Dakota mm-hmm. or something like that, like that, that kind of state, uh, very small town. There's been a string of murders that are happening around town and the townsfolk think it's a werewolf. <laughs> uh, and, so, and so he's trying to figure out what's going on. He doesn't believe it's a werewolf. And there's some good cast members here. Ricky Lindholm from Garfunkel and Oates is also on the police force. Uh, Jimmy Tatro, who was Dylan Maxwell on American Van. Uh, wow. is also in this movie, uh, which is weird because he was also in King of Staten Island, which I talked about uh, like a week or two ago. Uh, and he was in like the music video that I, I watched uh, that little Dickie did called Freaky Friday. Uh, like like there's so much there's so much Dylan Maxwell all over the place now. It's crazy. It's like he's the dicks that he spray painted all over the media that I've been watching. <laughs> Dick. American Vandal's the best. I just rewatched the whole series, Series, by the way. It's so good. nice. But yeah, and also Robert Forster is in this movie. Right. Uh, and this is actually Robert Forster's final film role, uh, which I had assumed that Robert Forster's last role was going to be El Camino. You know, I found out that Robert Forster died while I was sitting in the theater about to watch El Camino. Wow. <laughs> Uh, I think I told that story when we reviewed yeah. it and we, we didn't know that he was in El Camino, you know, yeah. like, he, that was a surprise. Uh, and so when he showed up and I just found out he died, there was a very emotional moment. Uh, and then he popped up again on Better Call Saul like later that year. And uh, now this is actually his final film where he plays Jim Cummings dad, who was the old chief of police, who's kind of been forced out because he's gotten so old. Uh, and it's sort of about their relationship, but it's about this kind of horror element with the werewolf. But it's also about Jim Cummings kind of comedically coming up against his incompetent <laughs> police officers and like them not knowing how to handle crimes and things like that. Uh, so it's a really weird movie to categorize because it's sort of all genres mm-hmm. in, in many ways. Uh, and it mostly works. It's a solid time. I think it's a pretty funny movie when it wants to be. It's a pretty emotionally investful movie when it wants to be. Not a word, but I'll roll with it. Impactful? Uh, impactful might be the uh, the way to describe that. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's pretty emotionally impactful when it wants to be. Uh, and it can be pretty intense and like crazy when it wants to be for the horror stuff. So the Wolf of Snow Hollow, I think it's really solid and it's available on video on demand for like six bucks. Nice. Yeah, this is one that I've heard about. And mostly, I think, uh, because Robert Forrester's uh, last role is sort of like what I heard about. It. And I heard it got good reviews and stuff. And this is one of those movies that's like new that like w- is out but not out but is now out because like people can review it a month before it comes it's available like possessor is another one that i have been keeping an eye on i really want to watch uh but like i don't know where the hell is that around um yes uh well now possessor is available on video and all right good uh so that's definitely one that i want to watch very soon too because i've heard it's incredible yeah Need that Andrea Riseborough in our lives. She's in Possessor. I didn't even know. I think she's the main <laughs> character of Possessor. Oh, man. I only uh, all I know about Possessor is that it's directed by David Cronenberg's son, yes. Brandon Cronenberg. Uh, I know the poster has like a weird creature on it. That's it. That's all I know about. Oh, man. <laughs> I wish Possessor. I didn't tell you that then. That would have been a great surprise <laughs> <Yeah>. for you. <laughs> I love Andrea Riseborough. Yeah. She should have won an Oscar for Mandy. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Possessor and I'm looking forward, like I'm trying to catch up on a lot of the 2020 movies that I've missed out on over the course of the year just because of like the scheduling has been so weird yeah. and stuff has been released in video on demand and some stuff got put into theaters a while ago, but now is coming out in video on demand and 
all this stuff. So there's, you know, weird things here and there. But a lot of the stuff that did cost like 20 bucks before for early access, it's now like five or six. Right. So, uh, yeah, worth uh, checking out a lot of that stuff. And uh, I believe that brings us to the end of this episode, Mike. We did it. Finally made it. Yes, we did it. As always, we finally did it. Every (laughs) every single week we're like, yeah, we made it. You can't take that away from us. We made it to the end of this. We certainly (laughs) recorded two podcasts. Yeah, exactly. Uh, All right. So that's going to be it for us this week. Next week, we're going to be doing uh, some Let's Rank, but we'll be talking about that in a second. Uh, Mike, where can we find you online this week? You can find me at MD Film Blog on Twitter and Letterboxd. And you can find me online at uh, M Smith Film Blog on Twitter, Mike Smith Film on Letterboxd, and Radio Mike Sandwich on Instagram. Uh, Thanks for listening to Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. I'm Mike Smith. That's Mike Decree Show. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or Amazon any other podcast app. And if you want to contact us, hit us up at Mike and Mike go to the movies at gmail.com. You can find the rest of our podcast on Rapture Press alongside the totally original geek news podcast, a podcast about all kinds of comic books and movie news and all that good stuff. Uh, so for our next episode, we're doing let's rank this time. We're doing James Bond movies, yes. uh, which should be a lot of fun. The reason for that couple of things One, November was supposed to be the month that we were going to go see No Time to Die. Actually, originally, April 2020 was supposed to be the month that we were going to see No Time to Die. And then it got pushed in November. And now it got pushed again to April 2021. So we want to get some James Bond love in there. And then Sean Connery passed away uh, a couple weeks ago. So it's sort of a kind of coalition of events where it just felt like the right time to do a James Bond episode. Yeah. Yeah. Are we going to have a a friend with us for that episode? Potentially, I believe I have not actually uh, contacted him yet. But when I do, uh, I expect that Nick Wormuth, uh, who was supposed to review No Time to Die with us, uh, will be joining us for uh, our Let's Rank James Bond movies, which, by the way, won't be the full series. Right. (laughs) uh, Because that's 24 movies and that's insane. Uh, No, we're going to do like a top five. Yeah. I can't wait to get absolutely dunked on by Nick over my James Bond opinions. (laughs) That'd be great. <laughs> I'm very excited because it sounds like you have some intense. James I know. I feel like Nick has intense James Bond opinions and I'm going to slip a okay. pigs in there. Wouldn't pigs be so much better if James Bond was the main character? Absolutely. If James Bond was the weird magician <laughs> who has pigs. If the weird magician with pigs was a villain in a James Bond movie, mm. a Roger Moore era James Bond movie. Yes. Some good stuff. We've got something here. Or what if that's what Rami Malek's character is in No Time to Die? Yes. You know, he's been talking about how it's like bigger than Blofeld. That's crazier than Blofeld. No one can even imagine what this villain is like. What if the villain is just the guy? Pigamonga. What's no? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it was even remotely what that was. No. Scaramonga, right? Is that the guy? Is that Christopher Lee's? Scaramonga. The man with the golden gun. Isn't that his name? Oh, okay. Uh, Maybe. Maybe. We'll find out. You know what? And here's the thing about our Let's Rank James Bond episode. I haven't seen every James Bond movie. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen 10 of them, maybe. Be f- I've seen, I think I've seen maybe two thirds of the James Bond movies. Uh, I, I definitely have opinions on which ones I like best, but I know there's like blind spots. In there, <laughs> so it should be fun. Nick will school us both exactly. on his James Bond knowledge. That's what I'm saying. I'm, uh, we're operating under the assumption that Nick has a lot of James Bond knowledge. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll find out. <laughs> we'll all find out together uh, next week. Exactly. Uh, if Nick joins us, because I do still have to text him. Uh, in the meantime, <laughs> Our Jeff Goldblum podcast is weekly. Uh, we just released our episode. Mike is crying over there. <laughs> uh, ooh, all right, sorry. What about our Goldblum episode? 
Uh, we just released our episode on Fathers and Sons, Mike. And uh, next week, we're talking Shooting Elizabeth. Uh, so another Euro Goldblum movie to dig into before we get into Jurassic Park. And that's the end of this week's episode of Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. We'll see you on the other side. Bye.